Well, good morning. Welcome to Keystone. How are you guys doing? Pretty good? A little bit of a woo? Sweet. I'll take it. Good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I work on staff here. I work alongside Caitlin Jackham with our students. Um, and I'm really, really honored to be jumping into the, the Jonah series with you guys. But something crazy happened this week. Brady sent me a text. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. And it was this article out of Australia about a guy who was a lobster diver who got swallowed by a whale this week. This is him here. His name is Michael Packard. He's out in Australia. And the best part about the article as I was reading through, which wasn't him getting eaten by the whale, was this quote from his sister. Thank God it wasn't a white shark. He sees them all the time out there. And I'm telling you, if your job is you encountering white sharks on a regular basis, you got to get a new job. You got to get a new job. And also, I'm not even sure if Australia is a real place. Like kangaroos, come on. I don't think that's even real. It's like a fantasy land out there. But we are in this series called Jonah, More Than a Fish Story. And I really believe that this series truly is more than a fish story. If I was to kind of sum up this book that we can find in the Old Testament, is I feel like it's actually this subversive story about a rebellious prophet who hates God for loving his enemies. I think it's a story about the lengths someone can go to to run from God and the lengths that God will go to to pursue them. And I think the power in the narrative of Jonah, the power is that we can actually see ourselves in Jonah, that we can learn a lot from him. He's a mirror for ourselves. And I think for the ancient people that would have read this text, he was a mirror for the ancient nation of Israel. Because I think we all have these seasons in our lives, whether those are dramatic seasons, whether they're subtle, where we run away from God. And that may, might be through our actions and through our choices or even the state of our heart. But I think we all have these times where we put distance between ourselves and God. But what I want to talk about is what, what, what do we talk about when we're talking about running from God? What are we talking about when we talk about running from God. Because I think we hear this and we might have like a vague understanding or like a dramatic understanding like this person rejected the church or this person, whatever it was. But I think for all of us, we really have these times where we are running from God. But if we look at like the story of Jonah, Jonah, when he runs from God, it makes sense. It makes sense in terms of the running from God idea. God gives him a message. He says, Jonah, I need you to go to the town of Nineveh. I need you to tell them that I've seen their wickedness, but I want them to repent. And Jonah hears that word and he rejects it. He runs away from it. He runs away from the mission. He flees to the farthest side of the earth that he can get to. That's very obviously running from God. But in our lives, we ask the question, like in the Jonah story, Jonah had this direct communication with God. Jonah had this explicit command. We don't really have like those explicit commands, right? Well, actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think we have those explicit commands. And it might not be a voice from God, but I think it's the voice of Jesus. When Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? What is the most important thing for you and followers of you? Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. For us as Christians, if you would identify as a Christian, it's simple and it's clear. We do have that command from God. We do have the thing that we're supposed to do in following him, that we're supposed to love God and love our neighbors, and that they're, they're intertwined, they're combined, that if we love our neighbor, we are loving God, and the love of God will flow out of us to our neighbor. And for Christians, if we have that open heart and those compassionate eyes, we will know when love flows out of us. We will know when we're choosing love. That, that idea, if we don't embrace that, if we instead pursue self, we're in essence running from God. And for anyone that's here or anyone that's listening to this that wouldn't identify as a Christian, whether you kind of took a step away from the church or whether this is your even first time exploring Christianity, one, we're really honored that you would be here and listen to this talk, and I think it's perfect for you. But I even believe for people that wouldn't identify for follow, as a follower of Jesus, you still have this inherent consciousness that allows you to choose between right and wrong. And I believe that consciousness actually aligns with the God of love that we see in the biblical narrative. C.S. Lewis, one of pastor's favorite theologians to quote, but C.S. Lewis calls this idea the law of morality. And if you want to explore this more, and it's, it's in his book, Mere Christianity. But essentially, we as individuals or as, social, as a social collective, we have the sense of right and wrong hardwired into us. And this law of morality that we all have, it actually is elevated when you step into the Christian narrative, right? So to simplify all of this, I believe at the heart of all people, there is an intuition to choose self or to choose love. And we run from God when we choose self over God. Some examples of this. So if I'm going to put this into our real world context, um, we know that arguing with people on the internet really isn't going to move the ball forward in like a whole lot of ways. But because of our own anger, our own angst, our own pride, our own frustration, we will engage in internet arguing despite the person on the other side because we need to say what we would like to say. Or we know that complaining about a frustrating family member, friend, or coworker with people that know them maybe isn't the best choice because we know directly confronting them with the issue we have is really hard and challenging. We know at the end of the day that we're choosing ourselves when we complain about them to others rather than engaging in dialogue with them. Or, and this one I'm far more passionate about than all of the others, we know that we should pick our dog's poop up. But there's this part of us that we're like, I don't want to pick that up. I don't want to be carrying that little baggie. The trash can's too far away. And also, at the end of the day, poop is an organic material, so shouldn't we just leave it where it's at because it's good for the earth? It's not biblical, but it should be. We know we should just do it. That's what, like, literally loving our neighbor is. And I know these are maybe simple things or silly things, but really the day-to-day -day things are what define our pursuit of God. These day-to-day -day choices we make really define if we're following God or if we're taking steps away from God. So let's move to the uh, Jonah narrative. 
Because last week, um, if you were here, Brady had this big idea in the, the first week of our Jonah story. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. And if you, didn't hear the, if you didn't hear that part of the story, I really encourage you to check it out um, online or on podcast because it's, it's incredible. And I think there's some really great insight that Brady has. But if you read this, I was kind of reading this and outside of the context of the teach, teaching, it can feel like ominous, right? Like you can't outrun God. But I think that's a really good thing if you know the true nature of God. But let's refresh everyone on the story. Let's get onto the same page. So we've got this guy named Jonah. And Jonah is a prophet of Israel. And prophets, they receive the word of God. God speaks to them. And then they share that word to the nation of Israel and to the nations. And Jonah's kind of a bad dude. Interestingly, in the story, he's not really the hero. Everybody that's contrasted with his character, they all seem to be the hero. They make the right choices. So the word that, I, uh, that Jonah receives from God is to go to this town of Nineveh. And Nineveh is full of these people that are Israel's enemies. Nineveh is full of these terrible, terrible people that Israel hates. And interestingly enough, Israel, uh, Nineveh is located in modern-day Iraq over there. So when Jonah receives the message, instead of, he receives it in Joppa, instead of heading to the 500 miles to Nineveh, he heads to the opposite side of the earth. In the ancient understanding, I mean, this is the furthest you can possibly get. Jonah is looking to go as far as possible, not only from the town of Nineveh, but from his calling in God. And then, through dramatic circumstances, he gets thrown overboard, gobbled by the big fish. And it's interesting, because I think we can resonate when Jonah says no to God, Because when we say no to God, we experience consequences, right? The the result of Jonah running from God, he kind of collides into this reality that we all collide into. And it's, it's a little dense, so I'll walk us through it. But it goes like this. Sometimes God allows the storm of the consequences of our actions to crash into our lives. Sometimes God allows the storms of the consequences of our actions to crash into our lives. Sometimes God's mercy looks like us having to navigate the mess we have made by our own decisions. And we have to remember these storms of consequences. These aren't God's Payback. Because as Christians on this side of the cross, we know that payment for sin or disobedience and running from God, that payment is on the cross with Christ. And that through the cross, we can experience restoration, salvation, and grace. But because God is a loving God, he will allow us to deal with the consequences of our actions because the divine desires for us to be restored with the true source of love and healing and freedom. By our own volition, just like Jonah, we've pushed God away. And though he doesn't want to see us hurt, and that us is maybe us individually or us socially as a collective, God doesn't want to see us hurt. But sometimes the hurt is the only thing that will drive us back to him. And and this all can be kind of framed in the idea of God's discipline, And we don't like that. We don't like hearing that. We don't like the idea of God's discipline. We don't like discipline either. 
But we all actually understand discipline on a fundamental level. Any athlete disciplines their body through dieting and exercise to achieve something. Right? I think that the author of Hebrews who writes to early Christians um, sums it up really beautifully when they say this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We read that, and I would say most of us go, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Like, this, this applies to us in so many fundamental levels. Like, our body will discipline us when we've eaten too many cookies or too much strawberry pie. It will let us know when we have made bad decisions. Our parents may take away our phone for a period of time when they've told us not to have it at the table. And the reason they're disciplining us is because they want us to learn to value conversation and value family time. Or your teacher might discipline you by sending you to the principal's office because you decided to construct a mini bow out of paper clips and rubber bands and tape and shoot your fellow students with pens. That story is a public repentance, so I'm so sorry. But we understand discipline on a fundamental level. It's meant to drive us to a better state of being, right? As Christians, God's discipline is meant to help us look more like Jesus. It's, it, the discipline's meant to help us f- be formed more like Jesus. So let's jump right into this story because Jonah is going to give us a really incredible, incredible prayer. So his, the story uh, that we're going into starts like this in chapter 2. So now the Lord provided, and I think provided is a super, super cool word that's uh, translated here, but the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And Jonah starts to pull these pieces of prayer from the book of Psalms. And he says some things that I think we can find ourselves in. He starts the prayer like this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I like this word, distress. It means extreme anguish and extreme anxiety. And I think that seems pretty accurate when you're sitting in the belly of a giant fish to feel the distress and the anguish and the anxiety. And the universal truth, even in this little element, is that our distress closes the distance between us and God. This is something we all experience. When we start to build a foundation for our life outside of what God has to say, and it starts to crumble— we, we turn to God. We turn to a higher power. I mean, every now and again, I'll see it in like movies or TV. Like a character will reach rock bottom and they'll put their hands together and they'll go, God, I don't even know if you exist, but... And then they ask for God to enter into their circumstance. And as an audience, we really resonate with this because when we get to the end of ourselves, we often reach beyond ourselves. Right? When we get to the end of ourselves, when we can't figure it, like, figure it out ourselves, we reach for that something more. It's almost like for all of us, like, the, like our souls are wired to, to like, it's like our souls are this compass looking for this true north. And I think that true north is a higher power, which is God. Now Jonah continues, he says this, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. 
when we cry to God, he listens. So if you've drifted a bit, I think this is something that we can all center ourselves on a bit. When we cry to God, God listens. And what, as I sat with that idea that, that as I cry to God, God listens, I'll be honest, it kind of didn't sit great with me. Because in my personal walk, I was like, but does God really, does God really listen? Like maybe, maybe I believe in this higher power and God, God hears me. But does he actually respond? Does he actually care? Maybe this is something you have grappled with as well. And as I wrestled it down, a more poignant question hit me that, that really convicted me. And it's this. Am I listening for God's response? Am I listening for God's response? Because when I cry out for help, I expect God to respond in the way and in the timing that I desire. But am I actually going to spend the time to listen for God? Because listening takes a whole lot more work than talking does, right? I think listening to God even, uh, there's these two Christian disciplines that if we took them off the shelf and dusted them off, they'd actually start to build richness in our life. And they're the disciplines of silence and solitude, Right? If we really want to hear from God, if we're really in moments of distress or we really want God's guidance, are we willing to create space in our lives for him to speak into? Or is our expectation that God will always speak to us on our time and in our schedules? Right? In our performance-driven, internet-oriented, image-managing society, and I put all of that together because society is a lot. It's a lot to navigate. It's a lot to go through. But in this society... Are we willing to to run against the grain and slow down and ask the Lord to speak into us in his time? And my answer, if I was honest, will probably be like a lot of your answers if you were honest. And it's no, not really. Because that would take effort. Because that would take, I would have to take like a second to evaluate my schedule and I'd have to take a second to evaluate my heart. And that's really difficult. But I think if we're ever in these seasons of distress and you want God's response, then we need to put the effort in to listen, to to work on the practice of silence in our life, the practice of solitude in our life, creating space. And if this is something, I have a quick resource that you can take a picture of or remember. There's a great book um, by Ruth Haley Barton called Invitation to Silence and Solitude. If you're looking to hear God's voice and wanting to discover it more, here's the book here. I, I encourage you to check it out. But following God requires effort, but that effort will transform us into the likeness of God. And despite our shortcomings, and this is good news for all of us, it's good news for me, despite our shortcomings, it's important to recognize that God still will always draw close to us when we cry out to him. God will always draw close to us when we call out to him. That is one of the core themes through the whole Bible, cover to cover. God always draws close to us when we draw close to him. 
So Jonah continues the prayer. I encourage you to read it this week. It's, it's not super long. But in the body of the prayer, he pulls these, these uh, psalms together. And these psalms speak to, to anguish and pain. He feels like he's in uh, darkness and despair, which he is in darkness. There's not, whole, not, a, not a whole lot of light inside the belly of a bish, I'm, fish, I'm assuming. But um, he really paints this picture of what it must feel like. And I love that picture because we have felt that. We have felt the moment where we've been gobbled by the fish, when we're sitting in the darkness of it all. But the way that Jonah ends his prayer is so beautiful. Because as he's thinking about this pain, as he's talking about this pain, as he's praying through this pain, it's almost like this this light is flicked on. This light strikes and he remembers God and there's this hope that happens. And he says some really interesting things. So this is how he ends it. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So I think for Jonah, I mean, his choice of idol was just what he wanted. He didn't want to show love to Nineveh. He wanted to run away. He wanted to get out of it all. But I think there's such a beautiful truth here. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. When we run from God, we often run to something else. When we turn from God's love, when we turn from his presence, we usually turn to something else. For us in 2022, I think uh, the, the pressure for us is to turn towards our careers or if you're a student, your schoolwork. That we're going to drive ourselves to excellence and to performance and to the praise of other people. But ultimately, our careers and our schoolwork is going to be a shallow God. Or we run to our digital, our digital life. This idea that we can manage and curate this online image that projects what we want other people to see of us. That projects this version of ourselves that we even want to be. But the problem is it will not sustain our souls. Even we run to relationships and we almost demand that our family, our friends, our partners validate and fill us. We, we idolize the sexual experience, right? And we take something that's meant to create intimacy and relationship and we convert it into self-idolatry. But ultimately, our relationships can't handle the weight of being our savior, and hear me out, our careers, our schoolwork, uh, our social media, ever, like all of that stuff, our relationships, certainly, these things aren't bad things, but they're really bad gods. Because under the pressure of being our God, they can't sustain the weight. They will eventually break and crumble and leave us empty. Created things cannot replace the Creator. And when all of it falls apart, when the fish gobbles us up, and we feel like we're sinking, our souls will all reach out to that something more. Our souls will reach out to God. It's often, and I hate this truth, but it's often not until things break that we realize that we are broken. It's not until things break in our life that we're able to see our own brokenness. Which is why we see Jonah quoting these psalms of repentance. And let's, let's, let's uh, pull the whole thing together. So Jonah ends with this. But I, can you throw up that next one for me? Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I 
with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. We see his heart turning. And he ends with this statement. It's so powerful. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. If you come in today feeling like you're running from God or even like you feel like there's this brokenness or you feel distress or you feel despair, you feel pain, we have a God of restoration and grace and mercy. One of the things I love about the book of Jonah, and it's really, really surprising because I realized it this week, is that Jonah actually subverts the image of God that we often have or the image of God that we have in the Old Testament. Right? People go, Old Testament God, he's so vengeful, he's so angry, he's so bitter. But the image we get of God in Jonah is one that is always loving and always pursuing, especially next week, especially in chapters three and four, we're going to see how incredible this God is and what lengths he goes to to show love. What's so amazing, what I love about this faith experience is that I really believe that we have a God who gives clarity to our lives. We have a God who pursues us. We have a God who has dominion over this natural world, which is really good. We have a God that disciplines, but does so in love. Our God, is li- our God is a listening God. Our God is patient. Our God forgives. And our God responds. And I love Jonah's end. Salvation comes from the Lord. And salvation does come for Jonah. We get it in the next line. And it's kind of funny, but it's also beautiful. It, it, Jonah, the, the author writes this. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land, right? There's a little bit, there's just a little bit there, a little bit of satire, a little bit of, right? Sometimes deliverance feels like being vomited from a fish, right? It's, sometimes it's not, yeah, sometimes it's not the clarity or the beauty or the angel coming from heaven. Sometimes it feels like being vomited from the fish, but out of the experience, out of the distress, out of the despair, out of the brokenness, what are we going to do next, What is Jonah going to do next? How is he going to respond? How is his heart going to change? That's the question for next week. But to wrap up today, I have three questions that if you want to take a picture of or write down, these really sum up the the talk as a whole. Um, And I think they're questions that will reveal a lot within us if we take time to think them through. The first one is this. In your distress, do you call to God? In your times of distress, do you call to God? When things are at their worst, do you call to God. Second one, do you have space, do you have capacity to listen to and for God? Do you have margin in your life where God can speak to you, or is your expectation that God will speak to you within your expectations? Or are you creating space that God can actually speak to you? And lastly, do you believe that God can bring restoration in your life? And not only do you believe it as a, a logical idea, but do you, do you believe and can you live into that? All right, if you guys are willing and able, I'll pray for us um, and uh, head you out to this uh, beautiful Sunday. So yeah, you can stand and we'll pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you so much for this morning. God, I love the story of Jonah. I see myself in it so much. God, the questions asked, I pray that we can take the time to really think about them, to really discern them, and really to see how you are moving in our lives. 
Lord, I pray for the people here that might feel distant from God, that might be in a moment of distress and anguish. And Lord, I pray in that space you draw close, you make yourself known. God, we pray for just the the grace that um, sometimes you, you will just speak into our lives even if we're not making space for you. But God, also convict us to put margin in our life to listen for what you have to say. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. You are a God that is loving, and we see that all throughout history to today too. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Everybody said. If you need some prayer personally, if you're going through anything, we have some incredible friends under the screen over here. Otherwise, have a fantastic Sunday.